0: Oh, it's nice to see you all this morning, and uh, the snow this morning. To be so honest, I woke up, and I was like, oh, the snow's so beautiful until you have to get it off your car and scrape your car. So I woke up in a grouchy mood. Matthew can attest to that. Um, but here we are this morning, real life. Um, I'm eager to be here this morning and to share with you um, as Garrett said, we're, next week we're going to begin and kick off our Christmas series. I can't believe it's already here, um, where we talk about fear not, visitations from angels. And what do they always say? Fear not. Um, so, leading up to that, in this kind of in between week, I am going to share just a little bit about uh, how do we enter the Christmas season and why do we do what we do around this time of year? How many of you have? Um, right in this in between Thanksgiving and Advent, how many of you have decorated your tree? Okay, okay, okay. How many of you have like, did a bunch of Black Friday shopping, you got all your gifts? Okay, I love the enthusiasm back there. I need your influence. At Christmas music, anybody listening to Christmas music yet? Oh yeah. Yes, me too. That started this weekend. Amy Grant, Christmas album, anybody? Sure. Yep, 90s music, baby. Yes, and Mariah Carey, yes, so good, classics. I actually have an album on Spotify called Tiny Baby Jesus if anybody wants to check it out. Yes, so good. So one of the things that we've been talking about a lot, in fact, I just talked with somebody this morning who's handing me gift bags for some single moms in our community. Um, We've been asking you to do a lot this Christmas. Many of you, I think like 20 of you, volunteered with us last weekend, and we picked turkeys off of the bones for a massive number of Thanksgiving meals, got greasy together, you know, I smelled like turkey for a couple days, Um, and many of you, many, many, I was just, even over the weekend, I was just looking to see where we're at. So many of you have said, yes, I want to fill bag, gift bags to to treat and love and serve a single mom, or I want to fill a big uh, basket with cleaning supplies for um, a refugee family who's resettled. Um, Or you're saying, yeah, I wanna help with the Ashwood Learning Center party. And I wanna say thank you, thank you for your generosity. Um, But I feel like at this time of year, it just, everybody's asking you for something, aren't they? Everywhere I go, I'm like, no matter where I go, grocery store, gas station, everything is like, you want to round up? Do you want to round up to give to this? Do you want to round up to give to that? And it hit me the other day. I was just like, sure. And I realized I'm just going through the motions. It's just like another another part of Christmas now is like, oh, we got to do something. You know, Pearl's like, mom, are we going to help a kiddo, like buy some gifts for a kid that, you know, might have needs? I'm like, sure, let's do that. Sure. But why do we actually do that? And why does that matter? Why, are, why do we invite you to do that? It was a reminder to myself even this week of, of having my heart and my mind and my soul remembering what is this season about as we prepare for Christmas. Why do we do those things? And why do we invite you to give and to serve and to be generous? Um, and so I'm gonna begin in a, a passage of scripture that I love. This is John 1. And this is one of my favorite scriptures Ever. So Brent is out of town this weekend. We had some arounds of who was preaching. And so he said, you, you can preach on anything you want. And I was like, I don't know what I want. He's like, I know what you want to preach on, John 1:14. And here it is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Don't you love that? Although I know some some of you have an issue with the word flesh, it's like moist. People don't like that word, but I'm going to say it a lot today, so get used to it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love this passage. I love this verse here. And often when we talk about the word, usually when we're like, oh, I was in the word or we're people of the word or we read the word, we're talking about scripture, right? We're talking about the Bible. But I just wanna clarify, this word is not about the Bible. This word is about a person. If you go back to John 1.1, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. This word is a person. This word is Jesus. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Doesn't that get you excited? I feel like the power of that scripture, the word here, God became flesh. Just for a moment, we're so used to this. This is so familiar to us. But just take a moment and marvel in that. God became flesh. God, God, we're singing all hail King Jesus, like the God of the universe. All things bow to him, he created all things. All things are in him and through him and by him and for him, and he became flesh. He took on skin and bones. Just marvel in that for a moment. Author and Pastor David Platt said, this is the most astounding miracle in all of the Bible that God has become flesh, that God has become human, that God has come to us. Think about all the miracles that Jesus did. They really aren't that surprising once you realize that he's God in the flesh. They're all shocking and beautiful and amazing in their own way, but maybe the most profound miracle is that God would choose to take on skin and bones and come to earth and take on humanity himself. Jesus leaving perfection, leaving his full status as God, and he continued to be fully God, but he chose to be fully man, meaning that when Jesus came to earth, he experienced physical suffering, physical pain. He experienced challenges and trials. In Philippians 2, it said Paul talks about it, saying that he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. I think even if I was Jesus in flesh, but I was still God, I would want to like wear a sign that was like, I'm still God. Like, But he took on flesh. And not everybody understood or knew or fully understood that he was God for many, many, many years. He made himself nothing and came to earth. And I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to imagine this because I am an avoider of mess, I run from pain. Some of you are like, oh no, you you cry a lot, sure, I do. But like when the rubber meets the road, I'm like, ooh, I like to avoid pain. I am a pleasure seeker, seeking comfort, seeking pleasure, but Jesus doesn't do that, Jesus moves downward. And we live in this culture where everything is, you move upward, right, you're always moving up and out, up and out, and Jesus is moving down and in toward pain, leaving perfection for chaos, leaving, you know, the all hail King Jesus. People were not singing that as he walked on earth. Leaving kingship for servanthood, becoming a servant king. Nobody knew who he was. I have such a hard time imagining Jesus as just human. I've said this a lot. I've talked about it a lot. I'm sorry, but uh, the Chosen series, that's really helped me see Jesus as human. You know, I'm like, oh, this is, I can see the the humanity um, in him. But there's a book that I like to read around Christmas time, and it's by this author, Max Lucado, the book's called God Came Near, and he said this, Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him, or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure, he was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He got colds. Isn't that funny to think about Jesus getting sick? He says he burped. (laughs) He had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired. His head ached. To think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it almost seems irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do, it's uncomfortable. It's much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation, clean the manure from around the manger, wipe the sweat out of his eyes, pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. He's easier to stomach that way. There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged, predictable. But don't do it, he says, don't do it for heaven's sake. Don't take the humanity out of Jesus. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and the muck of our world, for only when we let him in can he pull us out. God became flesh. Fully God, fully human, he entered the pain and the mess of being human and sharing in our experience to be with us, At Christmas time, we often talk about Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas is the kind of the pinnacle, the moment where we see, oh, God is with us. He's no longer distant. He's no longer spoken of by prophets. Now he's here as a baby. He's with us. He came to dwell among us. And not only did he want to be with us, his people, but he had to. Humanity couldn't save itself. And I love the reminder of Christmas. of Like God sees, I gotta go. I gotta go be with them. I need to be close. He sees the desperate need of our people. He sees the desperate need of his people. And he knows that distance is no longer an option. Humanity needs God to come close. Humans cannot save themselves. And it makes me think of a story that some of you have maybe heard me tell before. I love to tell. So if you've heard this, forgive me. But years ago, Matthew and I had an experience um, where we, uh, it was a late night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We didn't have kids then, so we stayed up and did fun things. And we went to, we we like to go to McDonald's for the, you know, ice cream cones at night. So we went to McDonald's to get our ice cream. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We lived in a, um, uh, just a, interesting part of Des Moines at that time. So we went to the Sixth Avenue McDonald's, some of you might know that. Sixth and University, baby. And um, there's always something exciting going on there. And we walk in, and um, we no- I noticed a car full of um, senior adults, like some older folks in this car. And I could just tell right away something was not right. And they were just eating their french fries and just their faces, and like something is off. So we go in, we get our ice cream, we come out, and I'm like, I gotta go talk to these people, babe. So I go over there and I'm like, hey, you guys okay? What are you doing here at 11 o'clock at night in the McDonald's on Sixth Avenue? And they begin to tell me this story about how they're from Madrid, which is maybe 40 minutes away. And they had, it was, a, it was like a Saturday and they'd gone for a little Saturday drive. They'd left in the morning and come for a drive in Des Moines and they got lost. And they'd been driving around Des Moines the entire day. And it was 11 o'clock at night. And you can imagine, they're exhausted. One of them had uh, some blood sugar issues, so they're like fueling on McDonald's, and they're just sitting in this car like a hot mess. And so I said, okay, well, let me help you. Let's get you home. So Matthew and I begin to like look at our GPS and figure out the simplest way for them to get to back, to ho- back home to Madrid. And... We tell them all the directions and we're like giving them the simplest way. Here's the way you go. You know, you're going to take this road, then you're going to come out here. And they're just staring at us. Like, I was like, does somebody want to write this down? You know, so I tried writing it down and they're just like, no. Like, they can't even comprehend. They were just so tired, so weary, and so out of it. And so I was like, okay, it's going to take more than that. So I talked to Matthew for a minute. I'm like, come back to the car. And I was like, how about this? We'll you follow us, and we're going to drive to the road that will lead you to the highway where you can get to Madrid. And so they agree to that. And we talk about our plan. So they're following us out of the McDonald's parking lot. We go to get on the interstate, and they don't follow us onto the interstate. They just, like, pull off the side of the road. So we turn around, come back, and find them, and we're like, this is not going to work either. Like, they don't even have the energy to keep track of us and follow us. So Matthew and I talk, and we both are like, we know what we need to do right now. Like, we need to drive them home. And and so we're like, well, they're probably not going to let us. Let's see. And I go over, and I'm like, okay, this might be weird, but can we drive you home? And immediately they're like, yes, thank you. (laughs) And, like, the man that was driving, like, I mean, he'd been sitting in his car all day. Like, he couldn't hardly get out of his car. We had to, like, heave him out, put him in the back seat, Matthew drove them. I got in our car and followed them. We drove to to Madrid, and I remember asking Matthew, what did you guys talk about in the car? What was that like? He's like, nothing. They fell asleep. He's like, five minutes in, they were all sleeping, and he's like, who knows who I I could have been, (laughs) like this terrible person driving them, and they're all so trusting. They just fell asleep. You know, they're just weary and exhausted, and we got them to their the place where they live and just FYI I did call the next morning and let the like retirement community know that maybe there shouldn't be drives to Des Moines on the weekends from certain people but they got home safely we shared hugs and you know left and as we as Matthew and I kind of debriefed and talked about it on the way home it struck me this is how my mind works thinking about God in everyday life i'm like that's what Jesus did that's what God did he drove us home a map wasn't going to do, tried that, you know, follow, asking us to follow him wasn't going to do. Humanity could not save themselves and God knew that. And so he came close and he gets in the car with us and we're exhausted from trying and working and trying to save ourselves and we can't. And we see that moment as we prepare for Christmas of a God who comes near, who says, get out of the driver's seat, let me in, I got this. I'll take you home. And He dwells with us. We serve a God who is with us. He's not distant. He doesn't help us from a distance. He doesn't invite himself into your problems distantly. Aren't we guilty of that? I'm that way. I want to do something but not get too involved. God gets so involved, he sends Jesus to dwell with us, to make his dwelling among us. The rest of that verse in John 1.14 says that God became flesh to make his dwelling among us. He came close to dwell, and that word dwell in the Greek actually is the same as the word tabernacle, it's this word skeno. And it actually means that he tabernacled among us. Jesus tabernacled among us. He came close to tabernacle among us. Just like in the Old Testament, when we think about God's presence and God being with us, being with his people, he always has been, but in different forms, right? In the Old Testament, I think about the tabernacle in Exodus, the It was the place of God's presence. The tabernacle traveled with the Israelites to the promised land. It was a constant reminder of, okay, God is still with us. God is with us. It was the place of God's dwelling, and it went from location to location with them. It was the place where heaven and earth overlapped. Now John says here in this passage, John 1:14 that God became flesh, he became human and he skenoed among his people. He tabernacled among his people. Can you imagine the original readers that would have heard John's words, what they would have thought of? They would have thought back to the stories that they'd heard about the tabernacle from Exodus. That term would have reminded them of the tabernacle of where God met with Israel before the temple was built. The tabernacle was that sacred place where the holy God dwelt on earth. And now that's changed. We hear in John's words, that's changed, that God is now made flesh and he's come to earth in human form. Jesus is the tabernacle on earth. Do you see here the beauty of God's desire to be with his people? And he's not satisfied to be distant, he's always moving closer. From the beginning of scripture, of the story of God until now, you see the progression of God's presence. I was proud, with a P, that I found multiple P words here. Progression of God's presence, first was in a place. God's presence was in a place, right? In the tabernacle. And then next, it was through proximity. Jesus said, I am coming. God said, I will send Jesus to be with you. The presence of God became proximity. He came close. God is with us. How countercultural. I was telling Matthew this week as we were talking about this. Distance has become our norm, hasn't it? We don't even realize it, I don't think. And I think... Honestly, it seems like even the social distancing in 2020 created even new norms for us of distancing. We were maybe a distant culture already and now we just keep getting more and more distant. I think about AI and all the things, you know, and, and I've said this before, but I'm like, oh, you can't go to a grocery store without, you know, you're bagging your own groceries. You don't get to talk to anybody anymore. Technology. And I think about young people and all the social anxiety that we have. So much of that is because we live distantly. We don't live with each other, we don't live close. We don't know what that is and so God comes close. He's like, I'm gonna be with you and he invites us to do the same. So back to the beginning question, why do we do Christmas cheer? Why do we spend money and energy and invest in the people that are not our immediate family? Why are we adding things to our Christmas list for other people we don't know? Why are we engaging in the community and in places where we might not normally be? Because God has come close to us. He's seen our need and he intervened because he said, I'll get in your car and drive you home. And he asks us to emulate him, to become little Christ. We get to be incarnational people because there's one more progression of God's presence here that we see We become the dwelling place of God. We become the flesh of Christ in the world. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and now we are the flesh of Christ that's dwelling. We are the dwelling place, you and me. I look at you, I'm like, you're the dwelling place of Christ, Doug. You're the dwelling place of Christ, Paul. It's in you and me, it's in us, it's in us together. Where we are is the overlap of heaven and earth. Isn't that a wild thing to think about? We are the flesh of Christ. We are his dwelling place. We, as his people, are the overlap of heaven and earth. In the progression of God's presence, he goes from being in a place to proximity to being with us and then to giving us his spirit. Through his son, through Jesus coming, through Jesus dying, through Jesus being raised again and leaving his Holy Spirit in us, for us, dwelling in us, now we become the dwelling place of Jesus on earth. So why do we do that? Why do we serve? Why do we go to these neighborhoods? Why do we go to places that we might not normally go? Why do we care? Why do we take things on? Why do we say, sure, round up my grocery bill to give to folks in need? Because we are the dwelling place of Christ. We get to bring the, the values of heaven to the places where we are on earth. I love the message translation of this verse. It says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And I think about what does that mean in this season? And I hope that I want to encourage you. I'm going to end this morning as we, uh, with talking about Christmas year and getting those of you who haven't signed up to sign up. But we do this all year long as well. And I hope you see that too. That not just at Christmas time, but we always want to be people who move into the neighborhood, who become flesh wherever that is. That's the whole reason we started Ashworth Snow. Because sometimes Jesus looks like shaved ice on a hot day. And you know how many conversations and connections we've made through that place? And people who, I, I've told you I think before, my, in my grad school classes, where there's a number of people who are not followers of Jesus and would have a lot of skepticism, I told them where I'm a pastor and, I, and then one person in my class said, this is the Shaved Ice Church. And I was like, yeah, and suddenly it was like, everybody was like, oh, we like you, you're good, you know? And they've asked me so many questions. What is it like being a pastor at Ashworth? What's it like, you know? all because of the shaved ice it draws people in people have an interest or i think about when we did zoo to you this summer and we had a petting zoo in the yard and we had what 300 neighbors coming and gathering and playing with the little goats and eating at the food truck and my friend ben who's not a follower of jesus says so you guys just do this because you like you want to like you're not charging anything you're just doing this for the neighborhood he's a neighbor of the church yeah we are because the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood jesus looks like asking West Des Moines human services what do you need what's a real need in this community not like you know the need you tell everybody but what's a real need you have that you desire you've been longing for and we hear it's for more childcare we need more childcare. We need more reasonably priced child care. We need places for people with child care assistance to come. And so we open the learning center. And I don't say all those things to be like, look at us, you know. But to say, we're trying to do the stuff. We want to become the word made flesh in this neighborhood, in the neighborhoods where you go, in the, neighbor, in the workplaces where you are, at Christmas time and all year long, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We display, I love the end of that passage, is, is that we display the glory of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we see the glory of God, the fullness, the glory of God. And as we become flesh and move into the neighborhood and serve and love, and care about the people around us, then we display the glory of God in our everyday lives, and we get to be people who are full of grace and truth. And so, this morning, do you have the slides for Christmas cheer up? Okay. So I want you to just take a moment, and please, please don't get, don't take this as like um, guilt. I'm not guilting you into anything. I promise. I understand there are so many of you who do things that I don't even know about. I hear stories or. Um, little things that you might say, and I have no, I'm like, wow, you are, you are becoming uh, the, the word made flesh in your spaces. But if you don't have an opportunity or you don't feel like there's something that you've been able to say yes to or invest in yet um, in this season, would you consider signing up for one of these? Obviously, we already did turkey picking, but the single mom's blessing bags. We have Michelle, um, who's normally in this service, but she's working with the single parent provision, And they're throwing a big party, a big Christmas party for single moms um, to love them, bless them um, in a season that's probably extra uh, taxing. And um, so if you look on our website, you can see all the things that go into that. Um, We have consistently um, cared about refugee families. We want to be a welcoming, hospitable place for refugees who are resettling in our city. Um, And so you can do supply kits, putting cleaning supplies together in a laundry basket for them. Um, We have a number of families in our learning center um, who, like I said, have um, extra needs. Um, And we get to bless them and interact with them and engage with them every day around here. Um, But you might not know who those folks are, and you might not get to connect with them. Um, But we'd love to give you an opportunity to meet some needs. So if you say, hey, I would love to Just give a little extra support to a family um, from the Learning Center that's having needs um, this Christmas, maybe needing some extra gifts or things for their Christmas. Love to help, please sign up for that. Um, And then we also wanna throw a Christmas party for our um, Ashford Learning Center and all the families and the kids and the staff And so we'd love to be the people who run that and host the games and the crafts and bring the snacks so that they're not doing additional work that we get to say, hey, we love you, we're glad you're here, and we want to celebrate. So pray about those things this week. And remember, when we ask you to engage, I've had people ask me over the years, why are we, why are you asking us for something again? Amy, you are, you just asked us for money for this, or you just asked us to do this, but... You don't have to say yes every time. God knows and um, there's freedom and grace. Um, But we wanna be a people who become the flesh of Christ, who live that out, heaven on earth dwells, it meets in us as the followers of Jesus. And so we wanna do that, Amen? amen? Let me pray for us.